Hello and welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. This is Mike Siegel. Thank you for listening. I am back from my short little trip to Europe. Um, Only London and Lisbon this time. But again, I got to go to London, one of my favorite cities in the world, see some great friends, uh, my friend Arantxa and my friend Vicky, uh, who let me stay at their places. Thank you for your generosity. I saw my friend Allison and also my friend Carrie, who hooked me up with some sweet, sweet Arsenal football tickets. Had a great day. 1-0 to the Arsenal was the score. A uh, little cold, a little chilly. London weather did not disappoint. <laughs> um, it is what it always is. Um, but uh, Lisbon, hey, first of all, I took my first EasyJet flight. Uh, my first uh, experience out of Luton Airport in uh, England. A uh, little hassle on the train getting to Luton, but uh, figured it out. Leave yourself plenty of time. Um, EasyJet, uh, what can I say about EasyJet? They uh, they nickel and dime you for a lot of stuff. Uh, try not to check a bag if you don't have to, because they will charge you extra for that. Make sure everything can fit in your one little carry-on, and you got to fit it into the little uh, mock space that they have there. And if it doesn't fit, they're going to make you check it and charge you. But other than that, they were fine. And Lisbon, what can I say about Lisbon? Um, big fan. I liked it. Liked the architecture. The people were great. The food was fantastic. The prices were reasonable. The wine was good. The beer was good. Uh, thumbs up. I would love to come back and uh, maybe go to the beaches in the summer. Uh, my friends who uh, I saw there. And first of all, let me thank my friend Jose Reis Santos, who did the show last year. Met him in Budapest, and he is Portuguese. Hooked me up with his cousin Mariana, who uh, works for Sporting Lisbon Football Club, and got me into a game there. Awesome. And uh, gave me some free stuff, which was really cool. And she interviewed me for the press. She works in the press department for the uh, the soccer team and uh, interviewed me. That was great. Also, I'd like to thank uh, Rita, Jose's friend Rita, and uh, her friend Sarah for picking me up uh, my last night out there. And we went out to a great restaurant with some friends of theirs and uh, a cool bar afterwards. So new friends, old friends. That's the best part of traveling. And if you want to uh, write me, you can write me a uh, letter at www. Do we need that anymore? I keep saying it. I'm old school. Um, www.traveltalespodcast.com is the website. I'm Mike at W at... Jeez. Let me try this again. If you'd like to write me, you can write me at mike at traveltalespodcast.com. Our website is traveltalespodcast.com. And uh, you can click on the iTunes link on the homepage, and you can subscribe for free. And while you're on iTunes, give us a good rating, will you? Helps people find the show, and we always love that. So uh, I'm talking today on this show to Vicki Taylor, my friend who let me stay at her place in Hackney, in East London, uh, hadn't, I met her a long time ago. Well, you'll, you'll hear all about it on the interview. But it was so great uh, to see her again. And I just heard she twisted her ankle just this week as soon as I left. So uh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Vicky. Even at, right after you finish a marathon, you go ahead and twist your ankle. But uh, get well soon. And uh, for everybody else, enjoy my talk with the lovely and charming Vicky Taylor. 
Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I am in the palatial estate of one Vicki Taylor. And this is the second flat I have been in of yours. Yes. The first one was a bit noisier. Yes. And that was, uh, and I'll always remember the place, not only because of you, but I was there when Michael Jackson died. <laughs> and I was in the shower, I was in your shower, and you were in the next room, and I heard, oh! And I went, what? <laughs> Michael Jackson died. Yeah. It was a big day. That was a big thing. It was a huge thing. And it was all over the news. Yeah. All day long. Every newspaper. By the time I got to the, the airport, it was in every <laughs> newspaper. And I was leaving that day, I remember. Yeah. So people Sad ask me times. where I was. <laughs> I was in, a, I was in a, a flat in Hackney. And Hackney, and I told you this story, I, I interviewed Idris Elba. Did I pronounce that right? Idris? I think so. Idris? <laughs> From the wire and everything, and he said he was from Hackney. Local boy. And I said, you know, I've been to Hackney, and he said, why? <laughs> why in God's name were you in Hackney? To visit my friend Vicky. Yes. And here you are. Here I am. And here I am. <laughs> I'm just fresh from my Arsenal match, where I froze my ass off. Well, yes, we've laid on the weather, especially. My goodness, it really is. I mean, you grew up this way, not knowing any better. Yes. And I grew up in pretty hard weather. In Chicago, you know, mm -hmm. so we got every extreme. But now I've lived in L.A. for 15 years, and I've gotten really used to seeing a thing called the sun. We get it occasionally. I saw it for about 10 minutes this morning. Yeah. And I didn't get sucked into it. I remember I didn't believe it. <laughs> I woke up, and I'm like, I think it's teasing us. And by the time we walked outside, freezing. I didn't need to take my sunglasses out today. That was a bit <laughs> overambitious. Oh, I should say we're talking to Marathoner, <laughs> Vicky Taylor, back from Amsterdam. Yep. So, your first marathon. Yes. And? It was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. See, now, you, the English throw that brilliant around a lot. Was it nice? Was it good? Was it really brilliant? It was, it was hard work, but it wasn't as horrific as I thought it could have been. And you were not a runner before this. I'd, I'd been a runner for a while, but I'd never run that amount of distance. The last six months, I've been training really, really hard. So mm -hmm. I did. I did all my training right, and so it paid off, and it was good. And you've been drinking ever since. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and you ran it in a much better time than I did. Well, I ran it. It took me. I my one marathon. It took me like six and a half hours. I walked a lot. Well, <laughs> I did a little bit of walking. I didn't do any stopping. There was no walking. Whatever people ahead of me were kind of stopping to get water and stuff at the um, rest stations. I was elbowing my way through them because they were holding me up. Mm-hmm. So give us the time. Give us the actual time. Four hours and 16 minutes. Well, I didn't know I was with an Olympian. <laughs> and speaking of the Olympics, yes. tell me about that this summer. That's... You were living not too far from the Olympic Village. Yeah. Um, it, is, it was fantastic. It, the atmosphere was like nothing this city has ever seen before. Um, everybody was nice to everybody else. People were walking around smiling. It just, it completely changed London for the two weeks of the Olympics and then the two weeks of the Paralympics as well. Everybody was just on cloud nine. And it sort of, it made us British realise that actually maybe we, we're allowed to sort of be proud of things and allowed to sort of <laughs> toot our own horn and say that we're quite good at stuff because we put on a really good show. And, um, it, it looked fantastic. And, and, uh, but were you really worried? I know there's yes. always a fear. I know there was a terrorism worry. And that didn't come about. 
we just have this inbuilt um, sort of sense that, oh, God, it'll all probably go wrong. And it's cost loads of money. Okay, let's, we're going to dive into that. Do you find that to be... I find that to be almost a uniquely British kind of... <laughs> or more of an English attitude. I don't know if the Scottish do that. Maybe they do a bit. Yeah, I don't know. They love to find a, a dark cloud in, in things. Yeah, because... You're not happy unless you're miserable, is what I'm saying. Pretty much. What is? I wonder where that comes from. I think it's to do with uh, the weather. Well, I know that. I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't buy that. I bet that's part of it. But I'm wondering if it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe something about being an older society or maybe mm. having an empire go losing it. I don't know. I think it might, yeah, that might be something to do with it, that, you know, once we were on top of the world and now we're clearly... Not so. I wonder if the press feeds into that though. The press loves to. Nobody loves to break down their celebrities and and watch them fail more than, more than the British press. Yeah, they build them up so that they can knock them down. And you are part of this. You yes. are in PR. I am. <laughs> Do you deal with the tabloids? No. Okay. I used to in previous jobs, um, but not anymore. Oh. Not They're anymore. so fun to read every time I come here. Yeah, they They're are just bastards, aren't they? They just and they say really, I guess I don't know, to use the term cheeky things that you know I, you'd see in U.S. papers they would never say. Mm. Well, yeah, I to mean, the libel, I think, or something like that. Or well, this is the thing: all the sort of salacious stories that over the years we've all enjoyed reading. It now turns out we're probably. Um, Attained by <laughs> dodgy phone hacking means. You're right. Um, so no one really knows. Thank you, what Mr. Hugh Grant. For... Anymore, yeah. That was quite a story. Mm. That whole thing has had huge repercussions. The news of the world on the press here. Yeah. Closing a whole paper. And you you've been in. The, you're in the newspaper business. Yes. And that paper was around a long time. The yeah. news of the world. Yeah. You never would picture it. Just it was like overnight almost. It was yeah. gone. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. I know. There's a lot of um, bitter people, I think, out there who, you know, they were the scapegoat, maybe. Right. Right. But who knows? But getting back to the Olympics. comment. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the Olympics. Yes. I heard there was a complaint beforehand that uh, it was really hard to get tickets. It was like, really hard to get tickets. So there was like a lottery system or something? What was the process? Again, it was typical. I don't know. I think it was typically British in as much as they said, okay... To try and make it fair, there's going to be a lottery system whereby you can um, apply for different tickets, but you won't know what you've got until much later on. So you can't say, right, I really want two tickets to go and see the horse jumping. Is that an official (laughs) term? I don't know. Or to go and see the swimming or whatever Um, on this time at this, you know, price. You... You could say all these different things that you wanted, but you couldn't be guaranteed to get any of them. Um, so what happened was that as soon as the ticketing opened, everybody went crazy and the systems were falling over because people were people were taking out um, new credit cards, people to be able to afford all these tickets that they might buy because you wouldn't know what you were going to get. So you might want to go on and buy 50 tickets to give you a chance of maybe getting four or five, but they would take the money for the 50 tickets. Oh, you had to so you had to them. make sure you had that money in case you actually won 50 tickets. 
Well, so you, you bought them... I'm a little confused. You no, I'm making them... it complicated because it was actually very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they were complaining. Yeah. You bought them first. No, hang on. I think I'm saying that. You, I you... think I'm wrong. What you had to do was, if I applied for 50 tickets, I had to make sure that I had the means of paying for those 50 oh, so you, tickets. So if it, because if this, I might get them. So if this added up to $50,000, you had to prove that you had $50,000 of credit or... Yeah. How do you... Well, so you they run a credit check sure, on you? You just have to make sure that there was enough room on your credit card. So that's why people, including family members of mine, oh, oh, um, wow. took out whole new credit cards with lovely big fat spare balances to um, buy Olympic tickets with. <laughs> but did it work out that some people got a lot of tickets and some people applied for the same amount and got none or some one or two? Some people got none. And some people are really upset about it. Yeah. I applied for loads of different things um, and ended up getting two really expensive tickets for gymnastics because I thought I was being really clever by ticking all of the boxes at all of the different price points. I mm. thought I'm not yeah. very cast clever a wide net. Like this. Sure. Yeah, but I ended up with two really expensive tickets. No, when you say expensive, how, like what? You don't. They were what, about. What were they? They're about three hundred pounds. Wow, that's like five hundred dollars each. Yeah. They were good seats. Okay. And it was the final of the men's, the men's. Okay. The men's artistic uh, gymnastics. I took my mum. We had a nice time. Oh, that was <laughs> cute. And uh, did the Chinese guy win that? Um, was that all the different events, like the parallel bars and then the yeah, pommel but horse? Yeah, it was and the, the team the... one. So oh, the was, team one. Yeah, rather than the individual so I one. The, I think the Chinese did win that, didn't they? I can't even remember. <sighs> This is, I, was, I loved the life. whole thing, and I can't <laughs> remember anything about it. And the Great Britain, Great Britain athletes did very well. Yes, we and, were all very proud. Yes. And again, finally, we were sort of, oh, it turns out we do have some really good people, and they're doing really well, and we're allowed <laughs> to get really excited about it. So yeah, the whole country went crazy for it, and loads of our... Olympians and Paralympians um, did fantastically. Well, this is why I remembered there was a big ticket issue because uh, there were empty seats at some of the events. That was shocking. And everybody was very angry because they couldn't get tickets and there's all these... So where did the empty seats come from? That was pretty scandalous, to be yeah. fair. Um, corporate. Oh, corporate again. tickets, yeah. The corporate man. <laughs> yeah. Keeping his jackboot on our neck, man. No, that's exactly it. And they... And they buy them by the... Or they're allowed because they're sponsoring something. There was all sorts of sponsorship yeah, and corporate Yeah, the Coca-Cola people stuff. and whatever they... And so... And then, like the athletes' families too as well, right? Weren't the athletes allowed in certain numbers? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But there were whole swathes, like the best seats in the house. A couple of... I went to um, a swimming session that was first thing in the morning. Um, started at about... 10 o'clock, which meant you had to get there really early. Um, and all of the... We were right up in the gods. And the best seats in the house, loads of them were empty. Because, obviously, people that had it on corporate thing couldn't be stuff. bothered. Right. And that was... I think that was on a weekend as well. Because, obviously, if you're doing a corporate thing and someone invites you along and it's fine, you can go, over, you know, for lunch and sit in the box and have a nice time. But if you're there at 10 o'clock on a Saturday... Well, they weren't there at 10 o'clock. Did they start doing it from a, from a PR standpoint? Didn't they start giving them away to, like, children, school children or something like that? To they, fill the seats? they put them all back into... This is what was so stupid about the ticketing system. They said at the beginning that it was going to be done by a lottery. So everyone went crazy, and some people were upset and didn't get them and spent loads of money. Then, a few months later, 
they did another release of tickets. So some more people got things. And then when, because there was a growing scandal about the empty seats, they then started to resell tickets during the games. But as I understand it, the website was still just really shonky. (laughs) Shonky? Shonky. Oh, I love that term. (laughs) I'm taking that with me. You can have that for free. Thank you. Shonky. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it was it was fantastic, and all the little things that didn't quite go right, like the whole um, security guard fiasco, and the <laughs> oh, what was the security guard fiasco? Oh, the the company that had been given a multi billion pound contract to supply all of the security for the whole Olympics um, about a week beforehand, or maybe two weeks, admitted that they hadn't got enough people and that they, they weren't able to fulfil their contract to supply X number of security okay. people. So, because, you know, terrorism was um, a, a big threat and it was a big worry, and there was this huge scandal about the fact that the games weren't going to be secure enough, so they drafted in the army. So loads of soldiers who had just finished their... Um, their the like tour, their in, tour Afghanistan. in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever, and were due to be going home to their families, were like, hold on, mate, can you just do yeah. it? Another, you know, hang on for another couple of weeks and go and scam yeah. people's stand bags outside, in the Olympics. Stand, stand outside the Olympics and look imposing. Yeah. That's when Mitt Romney came over here and said that, uh, yeah, that guy put his foot in his mouth the minute he stepped off the plane here. Yeah. I don't know what he thought he was playing at, thinking that somehow being cheeky and sarcastic about us yeah would endear him to us right because that was a stupid idea our ally thanks Mitt yeah (laughs) oh god have you like is the uh, the American election this year getting a lot of press it is but I, I don't know whether it's kind of widespread because I tend to read the newspapers and watch the news programs that are covering it oh so I don't know whether that means that it's getting as much coverage in some of the you tabloids just more interested or other in... things. And I am interested in it, so I it's am not as oppressive, reading about it. I'm sure. What is the vibe you get from the what the, what the British are the, thinking? We, as I speak for all of we, my countrymen, when I say that um, I, I just don't see that Mitt Romney is um, a feasible... President, because <laughs> we're you know we're a bunch of socialists, aren't yeah. we? Oh yes, <laughs> you and your healthcare. I know. What did you think of the opening ceremonies with the uh, the dancing nurses in the beds? And... That opening ceremony, I think it was that that made the whole country go. Wait a minute, that's amazing. <laughs> the Olympics is going to be fantastic. It was great. Danny Boyle is a genius, and all of that. Everybody in the country was really touched by that. It was really stirring stuff. And yes, it was all focused on the brilliance of our NHS. And and similarly, when the Paralympics were on and we were praising all of these people that had come over all of this adversity to be these amazing athletes, and it's like, oh yeah, but our government's actually cutting disability benefits. So there's a lot of people with disabilities who are suddenly going to find their benefits stopped soon. You know, it's, it was. Um, I'm sure the government were quite happy that the Olympics provided this um, a distraction, total distraction, <laughs> to make us um, bread and yeah, circus doing bread and circuses. The, the um, 
Yeah, and then Eric Idle got in there. My man Eric Idle got into the ceremony. Was that the opening or closing? That was the closing one. That, that was the closing. We were all a bit embarrassed by the closing ceremony. Really? Yeah. Because the opening ceremony had been so good. Then the closing ceremony was a bit... It was just a bit rubbish. There's models on the back of a truck. That part I didn't get at all. And then... <laughs> yeah, celebrating the fashion industry and... Yeah, it was... Just standing at the Spice Girls. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't even the worst bit. No. But no. But what was great is that um, from my window in this very flat um, I can't see the Olympic Stadium because there's a block of flats in the way but all of the fireworks that went on you can see from here here really clearly and so when the closing ceremony was happening um, there were loads of fireworks on Tower Bridge which I could see out of one window I could just vaguely see the, the glow in the sky and then all the fireworks over the stadium that were amazing and went on for ages I was sort of hanging out the window to watch and when they finished the whole street broke into spontaneous applause it was a really touching moment oh it's nice that those things bring like people together yeah you know you probably met neighbors you never knew you had and that kind of thing did you was that during those two weeks did you go around town and whether these giant athletes in uh restaurants and things did you ever see them out and about not in town necessarily um but around this area because it's so close to the Olympic Park, I'd go We were in Hackney, and, by the way. Yes, Hackney. Hackney. Um, it was a horrible name, really. I mean, it's... It's not I know Hackney you love Cab. it. I know you love it, but it just sounds... Sounds worse than it is. <laughs> you know, it does. When I tell people, I'm in Hackney, they're like, ooh, that sounds... I said, it's nice. It is nice. I've never really thought that its name was um, <sighs> upsettingly bad before. Yeah. Well, as a comic, um, you know, the word Hackney... <laughs> Has a really bad well, quite. connotation. So, yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I tweeted. I said, you know, as a middle Midwest middle act for many years, it's only fitting that I now stay in <laughs> There you go. Home of Vicky Taylor and Idris Elba. Yes. From The Wire. But not together. <laughs> I'm sure you all knew each other growing up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, how... You've been in London since 2001. Mm-hmm. How has it changed in the, you know, 12 years or 11 years you've been here? Gosh... Well, the bit I've lived in the same, the same side of London for all that time. So I've always lived in East London and different bits of it, but the same kind of side. And London's so big and it's very much divided into you are either north, south, east or west. Okay. And the East London has the reputation of being more of a working class kind of... Yes. Yeah. It's kind Rougher of, place. Exactly. It's, it's EastEnders, it's plucky Brits surviving the Blitz during the Second <laughs> World War. It's, um, but it's also now um, the kind of where the hipsters hang out. And that's yes. been the biggest change that I've seen. That when I first moved here, we would sort of go out and go to kind of cool underground parties and stuff and um but now in that same area it's all kind of really rubbish bars and stuff and the cool stuff is moving further and further out yeah and it's become the williamsburg brooklyn exactly and it. the uh, silver lake of the yeah okay. and so those are the main changes that i've noticed that places that seven eight years ago were just a dump and now still a dump but they're a cool dump because it's got a pop-up art gallery in it or some sort of well, you were kind of a trail. Club. You were kind of a trailblazer, though. I mean, you were a pioneer coming into the neighborhood. Yes, it was a little rough when you got here. It was. I remember when um, 
I had bought my little flat and my parents were coming to have a look at this flat that at I the old bought. Lace, that yeah. Was yeah. And then they sometimes when there are violent crimes committed, the police will put a big yellow sort of board on the street that says, did you see anything on this day? There was an aggravated burglary or a <laughs> okay. stabbing or something, um, calling for witnesses. And so on the day that my parents were coming to see the flat that I'd just bought, there was one of those big boards outside uh, talking about someone, you know, there'd been some violent burglary. And I was like, <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine, it's a great place. And right underneath it, you pasted a little, welcome, mum and dad. Yeah, yeah, what, so they were thrilled. They tried to get you out? No, they kind of... They, they, they trusted you? Me. Yeah. Did they, you ever have any incident? No muggings? No uh, any bad things happen? Touch wood. Nothing. We're knocking. Has ever happened to me in this area and it is you know it's it is a little bit rough and ready there's no <laughs> there's no two ways about it edgy um but you know i think as long as you're sensible then that's all you can do isn't it exactly i wouldn't go wandering um through parks by myself at night <laughs> so i've been all right so far has as an american when we go to london one thing that really jumps out at us is the cost I mean, it's expensive. And New York is expensive, but it's still... So it's like New York expensive and maybe a little more. And then your dollar doesn't even... You know, you're getting 60 cents on the dollar or whatever it is. So it's really... It's rough. Do people make more here to compensate? I mean, the salaries are higher? Yeah. Um, they have a... Th- a lot of um, jobs will have something called London waiting, which... Um, so if you're applying for a job, say, in the... the public sector or the NHS or something um, the salary is X and then you get a bit more because you live in London but yeah you earn more money in London but then having said that it's still it is an expensive city to live in and nobody can afford to buy property and um, yeah but then having said that when I moved here um <laughs> whatever it was, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, um, you just sort of, you do what you can within your budget and you still have an absolute well, well of a time. I went out loads more then well, of course. than I we, do we now. Were younger, I seem, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I seem to have um, money to do it with. <laughs> Did, um, I know you're a big fan of the mayor, Boris Johnson. Oh, I love him. I don't love him at all. <laughs> because you ride a bike. I do. And uh, he's a bike rider. Mm. But apparently he's made laws that are anti-bike. If you want me to start my Boris rant... Okay, start, start a little Boris. Start a mini Boris rant. Okay. Um, he... If th- people, before we describe him to everybody back home, he's this big guy with this white hair, mm. and he's, uh, he's a character, basically. He's, he's very much a character. He's, um, he's very, very posh. Very privileged. He went to university with David Cameron. Okay, so and... yeah, I went to the... the Cambridge or whatever. Yeah, Oxford, Oxford and, Cambridge, whichever one it was. I think they went to Oxford. And, the, and those and boarding schools that they go Eton. to. Eton. Oh, right. Okay. And yeah, very privileged. And he is representing... They're the 5%. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, he's representing the views of Londoners. And um, he has... He's a very entertaining character. There's no denying mm-hmm. it. Um, and he is known as the bike riding mayor because he legitimately does ride a bike everywhere but I think he rides a bike from uh, you know half a mile from his posh house to um, his office and (laughs) he's been trying to introduce transport policies that 
change junctions and because the traffic in London is atrocious. So yeah. they're trying to bring in um, changing junctions so that traffic flows through it better. Um, but this can sometimes be at the detriment of safety for cyclists. And yet somehow Boris is able to get away with it because he has this image of being a cycling mayor and therefore must be doing things that are good for cyclists. And it's just not true. Okay. <laughs> and then they also do... Um... A thing where if you take your car into the city during the week or something, there's a toll or something can, just to enter the city? Yep. The congestion charge. That wasn't Boris's idea, to be fair. A that congestion was, charge? Yeah. Okay. So I think, which I think New York should do. At least Manhattan should do it. Mm. They were talking about it, like not letting any trucks in during, you know, they have to make all the deliveries at night, which I'm sure would, you know, anger the people sleeping. Yeah. Well, beep, 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 you know, when they're unloading, but... You know, you got to do something. It's just choked. It's just choked during the day. You know it. I don't know how much... Because the congestion charge has been around for about... God, maybe 10 years or so now. Um, maybe a bit less than that. But it costs something like £8 a day, I think. And it still means... It's still gridlock in central London. Um, so I don't know whether it had any effect at all but what it does mean is that the city of london makes a lot of money from the vehicles that do drive into central right. london right well now to get off london for a little yes. bit you just made your first trip to the american south <laughs> yes i did in the dead of august which i couldn't believe you did um but you had written me and saying you were going to new orleans memphis and nashville yep and uh, any tips or anything? And I said, well, first of all, skip Memphis if you can. But you are a big Elvis fan, and that's not going to happen. And you had a friend in Memphis, that's why you went. Yes. Your impressions, or first of all, what did you think it was going to be like? And what was different than what you thought it was going to be like? And what was the same? Um, I think, I don't really know what I thought, but something with that area, I sort of... I thought I was gonna come. I was gonna see a lot more, sort of, um, you know, good old-fashioned sort of white people being <laughs> southern to each other um, and being southern to but, each other, <laughs> like a tractor pull or something. Yeah, but I. So I don't know what preconceptions I had, but I certainly just found every single person that I met to be delightful and so friendly. I've been, I've been to a lot of places and um, I think that the people that I met in that area were some of the nicest, friendliest people I've ever met. Well, you must have been like a really, the biggest thing that happened in their little town when you would roll in. Because you, <laughs> you didn't just stay in the cities, you went to like through Mississippi and like deep in there. Yeah, just for a couple of nights. I mean, we didn't we didn't go kind of crazy off the beaten path right. or anything. It was we a went... deliverance. You didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the kind of white, crazy white people uh, south you were looking for? Yeah, we weren't looking for that. Yeah, we're very pleased we didn't come across <laughs> that. Um, we spent a night in Natchez, which mm -hmm. was amazing. And we stayed in this kind of beautiful old house um, and in a bed and breakfast. And we were the only guests there. And this kind of slightly strange old guy that ran it who had um, restored the house from nothing in the 70s. It was dilapidated and he'd restored it and it was beautiful. Um, How did you find this place? We drove to the... We drove into Natchez, drove to the kind of tourist information centre. 
and spoke <laughs> Which to is the back of some guy's car. He's sitting in there. Yeah. What do you need to know? Where are y'all from? It was actually this enormous, enormous building that I don't know what else was in it, but it was this huge kind of visitor centre thing with <laughs> exhibitions about the area and all kinds of stuff. Um, and free Wi-Fi, which oh, was uh, helpful. what we liked. Yes. So yeah, there was a very nice lady behind a counter and we came up and said, we want a bed and breakfast, we want a, we want a room for the night. And um, she made a few calls and showed us a few places and we chose to go and stay with the guy on top of the hill because <laughs> it had a view of uh, the river. So it was a little, uh, little converted house that mm-hmm. he had... Okay. And he lived there as well. And um, he was this guy who had been in the army for years and years and years and then taught um, psychology in the army or something and had been all over the world doing that and then had retired to run this little bed and breakfast. He was really interesting because what I didn't realise about that whole region is just how steeped in history it is, in history of all music. Yeah. And um, because we don't really get taught anything about the Civil War. Right. Yeah. It, it was a thing. Um, it was fine. I probably maybe had to learn about some of it when I was at primary school. Can't yeah. remember it. Which is still more than we learn about, uh, you know, British wars. Well, you know, yeah. we, we don't study Cromwell back home. But yeah. Seemed like an interesting character. I, I don't remember much about my school history <laughs> okay. lessons. Um, but I learned so much more about... Um, the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement and all yeah. of... And, and that's what I really took away from this was just how an amazingly rich historical um, historical legacy... Can you have one of those? Maybe. Um, in that area. And so this guy that we stayed with sort of told us all these stories about the local area and talked all about some of the antebellum houses that were in the area and ones that we should go visit. Um so yeah, he was he was great. We were supposed to be checking out and leaving early in the morning, but he'd made us this amazing breakfast and we sat out on the porch just drinking coffee with him till about Aww. two o'clock in the afternoon. That's so, great. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, you realise that the music just went up the river, basically. You yeah. know, with the, with the the migration up north, you know, the the, the African Americans all took the. Uh, the music, the, the food, the culture, and then it all just went up into, um, you know, you do the blues trail, they call it, mm-hmm. you know, up there through, then he went to Memphis, and then you go to Chicago, and that's where they said it got electric. Right. You know, because they had like, you know, electric guitars, and then they went over to Detroit. It was like a whole thing, you know, jazz and all that stuff. So, speaking of music, you got to New Orleans. How fun is that place? I love that town. <laughs> I'd go back there for a full two-week holiday and just stay in New Orleans. I loved it. <laughs> what was your favourite part about it? It just has such a cool vibe to it. Just... It really is a unique city and probably one of the most unique cities in America. Uh-huh. Of all the many cities, I always tell people to go there. Mm. I just... It's, it's all the factors in combination. The fact that you can kind of get around it on foot to a certain extent, certainly the, the French Quarter. The fact that people live in the French Quarter um, and the the music and the fact that everybody likes a drink. Oh, yes, they do. That certainly helps. And how. <laughs> so, yeah, I just loved it um, because... The food. I, Come the, on, food the food was amazing. Oh, the food is so good. Yeah, it's got all those wonderful things. It's got food, music, 
booze and characters. And then there's a lot of that. Yeah. Did you see? So did you go see jazz while you were there? Yeah, we saw the first night we were there. We stumbled across um, this kind of jazz pianist guy, um, whose name I forget, but he was amazing. And then the next night we just went along Frenchman Street and we're just kind of going in and out of a few bars, just seeing <laughs> what we liked. Um, and then we, yeah, spent quite a lot of time on Frenchman Street, basically. The time we were there, just seeing what was happening that particular night. Was there one food throughout the trip that you go, oh man, I could eat this every day, and, and I'm so glad I live three thousand miles away, or else I'd weigh five hundred pounds if I ate this. <laughs> um, How good were the beignets? Oh my god, the beignets! Come on, were amazing when under they... <laughs> a mountain of powdered sugar. How do you go wrong? When they brought them out, I was like. Seriously, <laughs> that's that's really bad. But I enjoyed every last mouthful. They were amazing. Was it? Were, were you frightened? Was it shocking the the size of the people? <laughs> I mean, it's it's shocking to me sometimes. Yeah, to a certain extent, it's it a was huge problem. The size of the people, but also the fact that those people that there's not an awful lot of choice. No. Yeah. The food, maybe not so much in, in New Orleans because you could get well, any, stuff, any city. But you can, you, there's options, but you get out there. Uh, you know, you would know. You roll into these towns, especially after a certain time, like after seven, eight o'clock. There's nothing open. There's a drive-through. There's fast food drive-through, and there's nothing else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. Just forget about getting fresh vegetables unless you get to go out in the field and pick them yourself. Mm. I mean, they're not out there. Mm. It's uh, it's hard. It's hard. But then it all goes hand in hand with the fact that, say, in Memphis, for instance, and um, we were noticing that, you know, it was, it, we were staying downtown and that it Ooh. was, yeah. <laughs> because we didn't really know. Ooh. I thought you were staying with your friend. You were going to no, stay with your friend. No, she, um, she suggested a few places to stay, but it was Elvis week when we were there. Oh, <laughs> hey, isn't every week Elvis week? Well, yes. Let's be, let's be quite honest. It's the king we're talking about. Mm. And you are an Elvis fan. I am, yeah. So you've read about this place your whole life. You saw the house. Now, I've never done the tour. So give me the... Now, there's a few levels I've heard. You can go through one section of the house. Then you get the, the deluxe package. You can go through this thing. And then there's the super deluxe where you go see the plane and do all that. You did it all. Yeah. <laughs> you get... We didn't go super, super deluxe. We went kind of mid-market. Okay. And even, we were there for a whole day and didn't see everything. In terms of value for money, I think that Graceland is pretty good. Were your friends as into this as you were? <laughs> um, they were <laughs> wilting okay. a bit by the end. That's a lot. Um, we didn't... We'd seen the house. We'd seen the car museum. We'd seen the planes. The car museum? Yeah. I didn't know there was a car museum. There's a car museum. Well, it's got his, his Cadillacs, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And all the kind of like the golf buggies that he used to drive around <laughs> Graceland on, all these um, sort of weird motorcycle things that he'd had um, modified, and there were motorbikes, and there was like his mom's massive Cadillac as well. It's some really beautiful cars. <laughs> um, and it's a smaller house than you think it would be. Yeah. I remember seeing it from the outside and going, oh, that, that's it, huh? Yeah. I remember the neighborhood around it, a little rough. Mm. A little rough. A little Memphis. As, uh, it, was, it was pretty Memphis. <laughs> the friend of mine who lives there had said, I met up with her for a drink after we'd been to Graceland and done all that. 
and she was saying we thought that Memphis was kind of a bit run down but okay until we met her and then she she was just like I was really worried about you because it's really what it's really dangerous around there and we're like what in the Graceland parking lot <laughs> and she was genuinely she said yeah it, it's it's such a bad area that um you know things happen to people in the Graceland oh, parking God. lot and um did you get your silly souvenirs yes I don't know if I have any um to show you the best thing I got was um my best friend from when I was a kid and I were both into Elvis together. She recently emigrated to Canada and um, I bought her in the gift shop an Elvis 68 comeback special Mr. Potato Head. Wait a minute. Yeah. Back up. I might want to get one of these things. So you could like put on the gold suit? Or no, no, that's that's earlier. No, the, that was the suit, right? The, the, the 68 comeback special is like the leather jumpsuit. The leather jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so you have different outfits and you yeah. can put on... Okay. It was his finest hour. Oh, uh, it was... Yeah. yeah. His and Mr. Potato. That was good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That so what did you think of Nashville? Because I didn't know what to tell you about Nashville. I mean, after mm-hmm. the country music stuff, which is everywhere. What did you see? Did, did you go to the... I went to the Hall of Fame there once. The thing was, by the time we got to Nashville... We were exhausted because a road trip is not the most relaxing holiday. So we'd we'd started off in New Orleans and we'd been partying. Mm -hmm. Then we spent a few days in the Delta. Then we went to Memphis um, where we were just getting a bit miserable with not being able to eat anything um, that hadn't been deep fried. (laughs) And then we... By the time we got to Nashville... We were just really tired, and we the side of Nashville that I saw was the nice fish restaurant, and um, right. you know things like that. I have a, a friend who goes to Nashville quite regularly, and I texted him in an emergency saying, "You've got to help us. You need to give me some restaurant recommendations where we're going to be able to eat um, something." A salad, yeah, without cheese or bacon on it. Yeah, so we we did not do the Country Music Hall of Fame. We couldn't. We didn't go downtown either you didn't go to the Broadway or the street with all the no because we, we what else could you we went that's to, the one street you go to we found we looked in listings magazine and we found a really cool little club that was sort of had a local bands night where um, they had eight different bands and they all got to come on and play like three songs each because um, we were there on a Monday night we were there on like a Monday and a Tuesday so it wasn't exactly the most rocking night but we you know, because it's, it's music city as opposed to being just country music right. city. And um, we enjoyed the fact that we could, that we went and saw some local bands, that we hung out in a really cool neighbourhood. Um, and Were the bands good? Yeah, they were actually. They're all quite, <laughs> you know, just young kind of yeah. kids trying to be, um, I don't know, the... Black They'd, Keys or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> they should live in Hackney. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have the preposterous moustaches. Oh, okay, yeah. You need, you need some facial hair to yeah. do that. So did you... Um, what was the dumbest thing an American said to you <laughs> on this trip? Because I know somebody said something horribly stupid. Like, where's England? Something like... Was it that bad? Or did you drive here from England? Yeah. <laughs> I can't... I, I don't know if I've got something for you on that. Um... <laughs> But I do remember when I used to work in the Tourist Information Centre oh, in Stratford-on-Avon. and um, Home of Shakespeare. Yeah, I used to get... Um, it was always the Americans, oh, to be fair. Oh, so embarrassing. Coming in and asking me, 
It's like, say, uh, how do I drive to Edinburgh? No, Edinburgh, I'm sure they called it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> this is, it's about five million miles away. And they were, they were genuinely asking for driving directions to Edinburgh because it, they, you know, right. we're a small country. And there were <laughs> things like that. I don't remember anybody saying anything... Um, Particularly okay. stupid to me. So I'm sorry I was to, to let see you, that, down. you know, we always get embarrassed somehow. <sighs> it's really, yeah, it's tough when you travel. So, where's, what's the next trip for you? Where do you want to go? I should say to people how we meet, how we met. Because, um, so, I, what was the year on that? 2007. 2007. No, 2008. 2008. Yeah. I was in Buenos Aires. I'm at this bar. And there's this English girl dancing around. You had been in South America for how long by that time? It was like the end of your trip, I'd I have been believe. there for maybe 10 months. 10 months in South America. Mm-hmm. So you just decided, I'm taking a year off. You're done. Yeah, it ended up being 16 months. Wow. In the end. Wow. How's your Spanish? Still good? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good, actually. Did you um, know it going there? No. And you learned while you were there? Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Your favorite... Name off all the countries you went to, first of all. Okay. I spent a a couple of weeks in the US with friends, first of all. Then went to Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Colombia, Brazil, Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, Chile, New Zealand, Australia, Hong Kong, Cambodia, Laos, and Thailand. Wow. That's a hell of a trip. Yeah, I was exhausted by the end of it. I know. I can imagine. So, of South America and Central America, highlights. Favorite places? Argentina. Oh, really? Yeah, I loved it. Is that only because you met me there? Oh, well, clearly. (laughs) Um, I loved it because I went from Bolivia to Argentina and the contrast was huge. It was almost third to first world. Yeah. And I... I'd found Bolivia a bit tough because I'd been on the road for a really long time and I was just really exhausted. And um, yes, Bolivia's cheap and interesting and fascinating, but also I... When a place is real cheap, there's a reason why it's cheap. Yeah. But as a blonde woman, I I found it, travelling by herself, I sometimes, it was just a bit oppressive and I just was a bit fed up with being stared at all the time. And then when I got into Argentina I found that I could just sit outside a cafe and have a drink and nobody was gonna you know give me a second glance and it was actually really quite nice give me the oddest uh, blonde woman moment because I used to see this in uh, India you know I was traveling in a group and there was a blonde woman in our group and they would you know people stare at them they would come up sometimes and touch their hair Mm. Um, yeah it was weird some ladies would ask them to hold their baby (laughs) They were like, here, get this blonde woman my baby and we'll take a photo of you holding my baby. It was weird. Why? I don't know. They wanted a picture of a blonde woman holding their daughter. I don't know why. And they just don't see them that often, I mm-hmm. guess. Well, India is, you know, big. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, I, I would think they'd be exposed a little bit in Central America. Maybe not. I guess not Bolivia. Uh, Bolivia is really... That's deep in there. Yeah, that's and deep. I was... I was... <laughs> I was living in a town. I was staying with a family um, and trying to improve my Spanish and do some voluntary work, um, which seemed like a better idea than it was in reality. What and, kind of uh, work were you doing? 
I was working, doing some voluntary work for a, an environmental charity that was run by an American guy. And um, I was trying to help them get access to funding and stuff. Um, Successful? So good? It was all right. They, <laughs> they gave me... Um, I had my own bedroom and they had just about the only internet connection that worked in Bolivia. So I just, I stayed there for a little while and right. um, caught my breath a bit. But I also was taking Spanish lessons in the town and to try and get some exercise, um, which is quite hard when you are traveling, I thought, especially in Bolivia. But you're walking and moving all the time. Well, yeah. So that's why I was trying to, I wanted to walk from my house into town all the time. But I found that when I walked, it was about a half hour walk, and when I walked, people would kind of pull their cars over to the side of the road and just drive yeah, really slowly just and, and just some stare at me. Yeah, because this was kind of an out of the way yeah. place. I tried to go for a run one day. Oh. That was a laugh. <laughs> Where's she going? Why is she running? What's happening? I know because you're at such high altitude. Oh yeah, it was Bolivia, a stupid yeah. idea in the first place. Um, <laughs> so they probably were thinking nobody runs only an idiot would run now your your parents were worried about you moving into Hackney yeah. what did they think about you going 10 months in Central and South America they were surprisingly um, good about it really yeah they were like if that's what you want to do then <laughs> go and do it it's nice yeah just keep Sounds in touch like cool parents yeah so they were pretty cool well I've been to Costa Rica I've been to Belize I haven't been to Guatemala I love Guatemala. Yeah? Yeah. Do you see the ruins there? Yeah. And it just had... Sea called ruins? Is yeah. That... And, you know, live volcanoes. There was an earthquake, which is pretty exciting. For oh, nice. We, we don't have those. Yeah, you don't have that. Um, you just never see the sun for 10 yeah. months. Guatemala was great because it it's got such a strong um, indigenous population. And it was quite near the start of my trip, so I was just starting to understand the significance of all the... Mayan um, history and and the, the influence that that still has on all of the indigenous people and it's they're fascinating people and really friendly and really lovely. So and it was super really cheap there, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. And super then you made it. I didn't go to Chile yet. I only went to Chile briefly. Um, my impressions of Chile were that it was it's a South American country that you could travel to easily. I could, my parents could go there. It's like a nice starter for the continent. Yeah. To ease you into <laughs> Yeah, because it's quite rich. It's mm -hmm. quite, um, you know, you don't have to deal with any of those. It has an infrastructure, which not all South American and Latin American right. countries do. Um, so if you want to get a bus somewhere, the bus will probably may not leave on time, but it may actually leave and it might be roadworthy <laughs> and you might actually have a road to go on. Whereas in some other countries, you can't guarantee that. Give me your worst bus, uh, airplane or uh, whatever experience. There's there. so Hired many car. to choose from. How about one from South America? Oh my God. In Bolivia, I had... This is a vehicle story as opposed to a bus okay. story, but it's, good. It, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. That... <laughs> There are these amazing salt flats in the south of Bolivia. And um, you can go on a... To go and see them, you have to spend about two solid days in um, a Toyota Land Cruiser. Um, two days in a Land Cruiser? Yeah, well, two days, and then you stop at some 
weird kind of brick hostel thing um, where there, there aren't really any toilets and no running water and you just nearly freeze to death and then you have to because it's so massive that to go to, to actually see them you have to drive for wow. ages and I was coming at it from a different direction so the tour that I took was four days and so it meant for the first two days we didn't see another living soul I mean it was the most stunning scenery I think I've ever seen it was absolutely out of this world it was like being on the surface of the moon wow um so how many people are in your land cruiser there were four of us the driver and the driver's wife okay and you didn't so, know these other people luckily I had met them there was a, an English couple that I had met in a previous town and then I bumped into them in the little town where you get the tour from and then this Dutch guy that they had met oh and, then, and another really nice American guy that the Dutch guy knew so luckily we all loosely knew each other because right. if I'd have gone by myself they would have just chucked me in with God knows who and you're in each other's company for and on top of each other for quite some so time so the first two days you're just driving through and getting punctures you get punctures oh. about every few miles and the guys are sort of jacking the the jeep up and um fixing getting it with uh, pickaxes and taking the inner tubes out and fixing them and then heading off oh so we get so we so we done this and we were actually we had you know a good trip and nobody had had a shower for four days we were all exhausted Ooh, we were sexy. all yeah we were all <laughs> feeling pretty gross and just wanted to get back to um the town and there was myself and the British couple, and the other two guys had gone off somewhere else. Myself and the British couple, um, the driver and his pregnant wife in this Land Cruiser. And we set off, and pretty soon we get a puncture. And he's trying to fix the puncture, but he can't because he's run out of inner tubes or glue or elastic oh. bands or whatever they use right. to fix it. And it was starting to get dark, and it was starting to get cold. And now you've, this is the end of the trip, you're over it, you just want to get back. Yeah. Just give me a shower and a bed. And the guy's like, well, we're just going to have to keep going, because there were still miles to go through the middle of nowhere. <sighs> and it gets so cold there, and he was like, well, we're just going to have to keep going, because we'd gone too far to turn back, and we just wanted to carry on. And he said, if we get another puncture, then we're going to have to spend the night in the Jeep. And I was thinking, no, it's fine, it's fine. People don't freeze to death in cars. Of course they don't. <laughs> it's never been known to happen, ever. And we, yes, yeah, so we go along and it started to snow. And it started to snow oh. kind of horizontally. Oh. And it's pitch black and there's a sheer drop on one side. And, so and is this cliffs Jeep open, like open air Jeep? No. Okay. okay. But I... I started to go numb down one side of the oh, body no. that was next to the door. And the guy who was driving started throwing... Because everyone chews coca leaves. Okay. And um, he started throwing his coca leaves out the window as um, a gift to placate Pachamama, who is Mother Earth. So he was giving up his precious coca leaves to try and placate the elements to make sure that we were going to get to the end of our journey alive, yeah. basically. Well, I'm sure that will work better than you fixing the flat. Yeah. <laughs> it was 
it was absolutely terrifying. It was one of those journeys where I thought, if I can just go to sleep, then when I wake up, this will be over. Oh. But I couldn't go to sleep because I had to keep one eye open because I was so anxious about the fact we were going to drive off a cliff. Oh. Um, so how long were you out there? How, how it, long did it take? It took hours to get back. Oh. Hours and hours, like five hours or something. Oh. It was awful. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Well, give me a good story. We can't end on a bad story like that. But you know, that's sad. <laughs> a good bus story. You got a good bus story? Well, no, just that buses in Argentina. No, or any kind of like, you know, what was... <laughs> if you could pick one place that you could say, you know, I could live here. And I never wanted, you know... If I had to pick one place. If aside I'd, from London. If I had to pick one place to live, I would... I could happily live in Buenos Aires. I liked it too. Um, I could live in New York. Oh, I like New York. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll take I'll take either of those. Okay, that's a good answer. And what's your next trip? Where's your next one? I am going to go to Canada next year to visit my friend who has recently moved there. Okay, what part of Canada? She lives in Toronto. Oh, okay. Um, I've never been to Canada. <gasps> oh, they're nice. So they are friendly I'm looking people. forward to that. What time of year though? You got to pick the right time of year. Uh, when it's not cold. Yeah, go in the summer. Yeah, I'm going to go in the summer. And some friends of mine are also talking about getting a little group together to go to Croatia. Oh, Croatia's great. Yeah. You've never been? Nope. I've been there and you haven't? Yep. I've been somewhere you haven't. <laughs> That's good. That makes me feel good. Well, this has been great. I and enjoyed a, myself. You are a great hostess. Why, thank you. And I, I enjoy your flat. I got to play your electronic drums. <laughs> I get to shield myself from the freezing weather. You're sharing wine here. I hope I'm not slurring on this thing. I hope I'm not. I think you're all right. Am I? Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. That's Vicki Taylor, everybody. Bye, everyone. I'm